In this episode of the podcast, we sit down with my good friend, Colour Sergeant Sam Sheriff, Royal Marines, MBE. Sam currently is still serving as a Royal Marine, and I say currently because he's very close to finishing his 22-year career. He's a physical training instructor. He is the head of Royal Marines Unarmed Combat, and he's the founder of the Reorg Jiu-Jitsu Foundation. Now, I honestly think this chat's going to go on way longer than the hour that we've set aside for it. However, we've talked, and we're probably going to record two or three more episodes after this. Sam's an incredible person. He's achieved an incredible amount in his life, and I imagine we're only going to get a little bit of the way through it in this first chat. So, sit back, relax, enjoy the conversation, and um, this is Sam. Sam, after many months of diary rescheduling, um, juggling of dates and multiple cancelled opportunities to this podcast, we have finally nailed down a date and a time that we can get together and do this and talk about the not only the phenomenal growth of Real, but the great work that Real do, have been doing and plan to do in the future. So, what I want to do, first of all, for all the listeners, is talk a little bit about you. Who is Sam Sheriff? What's his background? Then I want to transition into Real, which is going to be the main topic of conversation here because not only am I, thanks to you, uh, involved in Reorg, um, I'm also deeply passionate, as you are, about Reorg's mission, message, values, morals, and all that kind of stuff. And so I wanted to share that with our audience. So let's begin with, with you, Sam Sheriff. In fact, before we even do that, what, what do I call you? Because <laughs> as, as your friend, I know you're uh, Colour Sergeant Sam Sheriff, Royal Marines. You are Professor Sam Sheriff, black belt in jiu-jitsu. You are, you know, I don't want to steal your thunder too much, but your, your daddy Sam Sheriff, your husband Sam Sheriff. What, what do I call you, just Sam? Absolutely Sam. Right, yeah. Sam. Em- embarrassing me, embarrassing I knew you'd say that, <laughs> I knew you'd say that. <laughs> Sam, let's, let's start from the beginning, right? We don't have to go all the way back to your child or whatever, but let's okay. talk a little bit about who Sam Sheriff is. So. Okay. Take it away. Uh, well, first of all, thanks for having me, Mark. Uh, it's an honour to be doing a podcast with you, mate. Uh, the first podcast you've ever done, by the way. It is. So yeah, this is an exclusive. It, it, yeah, it is. And um, I'll be honest, you know, I've been asked by a lot of people to do a podcast about Reorg, um, and I've not said no to those people personally because I didn't want to do one with them. But um, I. You know, I just wanted to wait for the right time, you know, and I think there's no better person to do a podcast with than yourself. Because, uh, first of all, we're very good friends. We uh, are training partners. We're Royal Marines. So uh, I just thought the fit was perfect, you know. So I'm very happy to do one with you, man, and thank you for allowing me to talk about Reorg. No, oh, it's my pleasure, man. I can't, I'm passionate, like I said, about getting the message out there mm. to a, a, a much bigger audience. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it, you know, Reorg, you know, where, where did it all start or how did it all start? So I suppose really my passion for the military was a family affair. Um, so from a very, very young age, I was inspired by stories of the military from my dad. Mm-hmm. So my dad was in the Navy, he was a diver in the Navy. And um, his brother, his younger brother, Derek, was a Royal Marine PTI. Oh wow! Colour Sergeant Royal Marine PTI, yeah. So, um, so growing up, I had all those stories, you know, from around the world, places my dad had been, and the things that his brother had done. My dad was so proud of his younger brother, you know, who joined the Royal Marines, and and he absolutely steered me towards the Royal Marines, you know. Um, so yeah, for, you know, I got pictured of me from like six, seven years old, running around in combats. I've seen them. Yeah, seen you've them seen them. Right? Yeah, I suppose a few people have seen them, but, um, but yeah. So that was, for me, being a Royal Marine Commander, that was a dream, you know. That, 
to, to become a Royal Marine Commander was a dream. And it's quite ironic actually as I'm sitting here in a sling. Um, I remember breaking my arm on a BMX. And, uh, when my dad came in to visit me, one of the first things I like, said to the doctors was, um, how's he going to be joining the Royal Marines? You know, it was like, oh is, is this going to like stop him mm -hmm. or prevent him joining the Royal Marines? Um, you know, it was, it was quite a bad break, but, you know, bones healed early, as, mm -hmm. as we know. And um, he brought me a combat and survival magazine. And, oh, wow. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, it was the first ever edition. And on the front page was a Royal Marine Commando, green berry on, cam creamed up. And uh, I remember reading that in my hospital bed in Scarborough. And uh, I was reading through it and there was, in the, in the centre of that magazine was a unarmed combat piece, mm -hmm. right? And it had two Royal Marines um, doing unarmed combat. You know, and for me, that was just like, wow, you know, so... Fast forward all those years, and for me to be in the position that I'm in, um, sort of um, leading the way, I suppose, with Royal Marine Close Combat mm -hmm. in the Royal Marines, that is literally achieving your dreams, mm. you know? And I think for anyone listening to this that has those dreams, you can achieve it, you know? Mm -hmm. You can achieve it through um, following that passion and that desire because I never knew at that moment, you know, when I was in that hospital bed reading that combat survival magazine, I never thought for one minute that I would actually be in a point where I can make decisions on Royal Marine close combat for the good of the Royal Marines mm. and wider defence. Um, you know, it was just me reading that magazine, you know, but it's, it's all part of that process, isn't it? You know, you plant a seed in a child or in an aspirational person and then you nourish it you know and you feed it and you water it and then it grows um, so that's where it all started for me and the stories that my dad used to tell me you know the hoofing mm -hmm. and, and he would tell me the same ones over and over you know but uh, that I never tired of them you know and I almost like wanted to follow in his footsteps and follow in my uncle's footsteps and I've been very very fortunate during my career to travel the world and travel the majority of the places that they did. And, um, and I remember being in Singapore and uh, my dad said to me about a specific hotel called the Raffles Hotel. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> you've been peanuts on the floor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was in the Raffles Hotel, right? And it was exactly the same as he yeah. um, explained it to me. It, it was still the same. And, um, and I remember sort of looking at this hotel, right? Have you seen the film Annick? The little orphan girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the, the and uh, there's um, there's an Indian guy, isn't there? In, mm -hmm. in that, and he's got uh, his turban on. He's got a sash and he's got a medal. Mm -hmm. You know, looks very regal. You know, um, and there was a guy on the door of this hotel who fit that criteria. Right, you know right, what I mean? right. Yeah. And it, and he and my I remember my dad explaining to me about this doorman. Oh, clearly it's not the same guy yeah. but what I liked was the kept the tradition yeah. you know what I mean and he greeted you welcomed you in and you went in and it was just mass huge staircase it was exactly the same and I went up to the bar did you get a Singapore sling I absolutely <laughs> did yeah because back then I did drink obviously as you know I don't drink anymore but back then I, I drank and uh, I sat there having a Singapore gin sling mm -hmm. and I thought I've got him with that Mm -hmm. you know so there was a, uh, an old school payphone there and I rung him up and God knows what time it was yeah. you know what I mean over, over there and uh, and as always he was mega pleased to hear from me and uh, I said dad you never guess where I am he said where are you I said I'm in the Raffles Hotel in Singapore and you couldn't believe it yeah, you know right. what I mean and uh, I suppose what it is I think as a as a child um, you you like to make your parents proud don't you mm. But also, you like to do things that they've done. You know what I mean? So you feel more connected. Walk, walk in the same footsteps. Yeah. You know, because walking through that door, my younger dad, he walked those same steps. Right. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do, yeah. And uh, it's quite powerful, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so it was something that I absolutely had to do. 
Um, I nearly missed my fly home because of it. <laughs> <laughs> but that's another story. So, um, so yeah, so my desire to join the military was absolutely a family affair. Mm-hmm. And I remember, um, it's, it's funny, isn't it, as you grow up and then you become a teenager, you kind of like, you do wander a little bit, don't yeah. you? And I, had a, I had a job at like scaffolding and Tesco's and stuff like that just to you know bring a bit of money in and, and do what we like to do when we're that age. But, um, but I never wavered, you know, I still always wanted to join the Corps. But at 17, nowhere near ready, you know. Mm-hmm. Physically, psychologically, nowhere near ready to join the court. And, and for the lads that do at that age, take that off to you, because I certainly couldn't have done it at that age. But um, 19, I remember saying to my dad, 19, on 19th birthday, I'm gonna make the call. And I did, you know, I was at his house. And um, he like said, happy birthday, son. Mm-hmm. And he like passed me the phone book. And you know, back then, obviously no, no yeah. apps and stuff like that. So it was a case of me ringing up, speaking to the careers advisor, booked in for my interview, went for my interview, um, and then PRMC. Um, and yeah, the rest is history, isn't it? Everyone knows yeah. kind of what happens from there on in. Um, joined 763 troop, and then 12 of us out of that troop of 60 um, were successful, you know, 12 originals, which is like the normal kind of story, isn't it? Yeah. You know? And uh, and even now, you know, I'm still in touch with some of those lads, and generally anniversaries, like mm-hmm. days we joined and stuff like that, we'll chat to each other. It's great, isn't it? You yeah, know, you think nice. 20, 21 years on, mm-hmm. and you still kind of, um, yeah, you, you, I think you've got something. You're part of a brotherhood that will never win, you know, mm-hmm. will never die, and it's with you until you die. Yeah. Um, and even beyond, you know, because it lives out in your, in your kids, doesn't it, um, that you've achieved that. So, um, yeah, Hoover, huge achievement. Mm-hmm. That I'm very very proud of, um, but that's only the beginning, isn't it? And yeah, it is exactly. And I was going to ask you then, you know, because of the route your uncle took, that, yeah. did that persuade you to go to Peter? Was that your yeah, original absolutely. plan? Yeah, yeah, from I, day one. Yeah, I always always wanted to um, follow in his footsteps and mm-hmm. become a Royal Marine PTI. Um, but you know as well as I that it's not as easy as that, you no. know. And um, and I think going through training and um, seeing the PTIs at Limston, it was almost like wow, you know. Because yeah. it's um, I just remember like a friend of mine saying, you know, like courses, it's it's like step up again, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Step up, yeah. step up, and you become a Royal Marine. But then it's like it's like next level again, isn't it? Next level again. Yeah. Um, so so yeah, I I passed out and I went up to Kamach or FPG or four three commandos it's now yeah. you know it's had so many different names and um, and yeah I did some really really great trips like right from the off and I, so I'm from a little seaside town called Bridlington and um, it's just on the east coast of Yorkshire and, um, and I've never really been anywhere mm-hmm. or done anything but um, I remember sort of like when when it first got spoke about in our troop you know not long passed out that um we're going to be going on a trip to the caribbean mm-hmm. and i didn't believe it like i thought this can't be true you know we can't be going to the caribbean for a trip for work right. yeah yeah and like i'd never been anywhere like that you know and um and then it's like no this is real this is really happening mm-hmm. you know and, and we went out there and we did like a little bit of sort of like secondary jungle training and we're training their defence forces and it's like and we really got trained well you know what mm-hmm. I mean like these are the Royal Marine commandos coming mm-hmm. trainers and that was like my first little bit of there you are there's a bit of payback mm-hmm. for what you've just been through mm-hmm. at CTC um, and it was really nice to be in an environment with like older guys you know who've done a little bit and they kind of mentor you and bring you on and things like that and um, and after after that training exercise, our sergeant major gave us the option of going back home on military transport or staying uh, in Puerto Rico right. and just using your Easter leave. So me and two of my mates who we both passed out with, um, we did that. So like we, we loaded our Bergens and all that on the, mm-hmm. on the pusses transport. And then we just packed all our kit in our city grips and we just walked out the gates of this 
military defence force, Mm -hmm. you know, it's Caribbean defence force. We're like, right, what we're going to (laughs) do? And it was hoofing, because the feeling of adventure, you know what I mean? I was 19 years old, right? And and, and there we were, and it was like, right, Bergen's on our back. (laughs) It's always like, like mega dodgy cars going yeah, past yeah, us, you know yeah. what I mean? With like blacked out windows, like looking at us thinking, who are these guys, mm. do you know what I mean? And um, we went down to the ferry port and we booked ourselves ferry tickets, but there was a bit of a wait until mm. we got on this ferry, so um, we booked ourselves in for tattoos and we, we all went and got <laughs> <laughs> So while waiting for this ferry, we got tattoos and I got a, a tiger on my back. One day I've got something different and but it was just, it just felt great, yeah. do you know what I mean? Just doing this, and then we're on this ferry, and, and we just m- meet this this girl, and uh, she's like, oh, I've got family in um, Puerto Rico, uh, stay with them if you want. Mm-hmm. And, and and it's just like, and, and I think that is part of the adventure, yeah. do you know what I mean? Yeah. We just, just kind of like, there, there we go, the next minute we're in the back of this truck, heading to this... Um, woman's auntie's house mm-hmm. and the way they looked after us you know just they didn't know us yeah they just brought us in give yeah. us scram and then next minute was staying in this like little villa of a pool and and then we spent a bit of time there and then all sorts of shenanigans happened and you know down the beach and just enjoying life and the next minute we're on a flight to miami and right we just lived it up in miami, miami. Yeah, yeah. and i just look back on that and i think what an incredible thing to do mm. you know what I mean thanks to the Royal Marines yeah. you know what I mean if that Sergeant Major it's all that personality if that Sergeant Major had just said yeah everyone's going back you know yeah. and and he'd have been quite his right to do that there's nothing wrong with doing that but it gives the option of adventure yeah. you know what I mean and, and life to me is about choices you choose a path you choose a good path you choose a bad path and we absolutely chose a good path there yeah. And um, you know that those experiences, they, for me, it's like foundations. It's like building a really strong structure, mm-hmm. and the foundations that you create, you know, those building blocks, what set you up, they feed you, they mm-hmm. feed you with an appetite for more, right. and that's exactly what that did. That fed me with an appetite of what a, what an amazing world we're in, you know, and the adventures that you can go on, and the things you can see, the people you can meet, mm-hmm. you know. And um, and that was it for me. I was so almost like hooked and bitten with the travel book right. and the adventure book. Um, and and yeah, that was in within the first few months of being a Royal Marine Commander. So yeah, it just so went from there really. So I agree with you totally. You said yeah. life's about choices. Yeah. Um, you know, and you love adventure. Mm. So that choice you made early on was to specialise as a PTI. Yeah. So how was that course? Because I don't know if I've ever told you this before. Yeah, go on. But it, it was one of the things that I wanted to do, and that the thing that put me off, and, and I hold my hand up, and, and yeah. I accept responsibility, was that I couldn't face doing a fighting miler again. Yeah. And I don't. It, that you do have to do the commander test again. Don't you, you do. You don't do the third mile again, but you do the other three tests. See, I didn't know that, right? And this is again funny about the way things happen in your yeah. life. They take you down these different yeah, roads. Yeah. That was the only thing that the other tests I loved. Didn't yeah. I just the laborious nature and the monotony of that fighting mile just for hours and I was just like, I can't do that again. Yeah. And that yeah. kind of changed my career path, if you like. But what was so, it like so, the, so the reason you do the tests again is because you know you spent a long time away from CTC in um, a command, you know, in the in the different commando units. Um, and coming back to CTC as a physical training instructor, what you must have is empathy, all right? Gotcha. So there's no greater way of having empathy for the recruits that you are instructing than to do those tests again. Mm -hmm. But not only do them tests again, do them faster than you did them before. So you do them in officer times as a base level. So So you've got to be coming in much quicker than that, you know? And the idea behind that is um, you're, you're, you're learning the course again, you know, so whether that's the Tarzan Assault or Bottom Field or, um, you know, Nine Mile Speed March, um, Tarzan Assault, you, you go in through it all again, you know, uh, but this time as an instructor, so you're looking at things differently because 
like everything we do, knowledge is key, isn't it? Knowledge mm -hmm. is power. So for you to be able to teach that, you know, and the, that finite detail of no, no, put your boot that way, no, no, put your hand that way, yeah. is what's going to um, save them seconds, mm -hmm. you know, of that time, you know, on that specific run through or whatever. And ultimately, that could be the difference between passing and failing, you know. So um, yeah, it's very important that you, you redo those tests again as an instructor. But um, but yeah, so obviously I'd spent my my time in the core, and then that there was that um, that time had come for me to sort of attend a PT aptitude, which is a few days down at CTC, where the course instructors look at you and see your suitability to become a physical training instructor. Um, so yeah, I went down for this aptitude and there was 12 of us on the aptitude and we got told there's only one spot oh, on really? the course, yeah. So it was like, wow, mm -hmm. you know, so it was all to play for, you know. And I prepared really well for it, you know, the commando units, I had some really good PTIs that helped prepare me to hit all the different elements to become a physical training instructor. Because it's not just about fizz, mm -hmm. it's not just about being fit, it's about instructing and in fact that is the biggest thing is instructing mm -hmm. and uh, so you have to do the Swedish PT table um, and take circuits and it's about performing I suppose mm -hmm. you know it's about stepping out front and ultimately um, making someone feel like they can do something that they actually don't want to do Got it. so it might be absolutely hoying it down with rain outside you know the wind's blowing it's just honking mm -hmm. but you've got to switch it on and be like no we're mm -hmm. still doing face we're still doing that run we're still doing that bottom field session mm -hmm. whatever and it's about motivating those lads to do that mm -hmm. you know so so it, it's huge it's big and it, and it and it was great actually I really enjoyed the aptitude and uh, we did some we did some great stuff which actually what it does is it 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 gives you that kind of permission to come out come out of this maybe um, shell that you've been in, you know, and it's like boom, step out mm -hmm. and 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 deliver yourself in a certain way that means that um, you're going to be able to motivate and infuse mm -hmm. people to do these physical tests. So anyway, come to the results, and I came top of that aptitude, thankfully, and I was on the next course. Um, and yeah, it was, it was a it was a great course. Loved it. Um, and and yeah, after you've done your your PT twos course, you uh, you're then at CTC and you take your, your troops through. Um, and I loved it. You know what an honour and a privilege to be able to mould and shape Absolutely. the future yeah. of the Royal Marines. You know, and I remember sitting not sitting um, standing on the balcony of an accommodation block. And uh, my lads were particularly threaders, um, you know. And and as the PTI, as you know, for the listeners who don't know, there's only one PTI, you know, for that troop of 60 lads, but you'll have various corporals in the training team and a troop sergeant and a troop boss. So sometimes you're like the confidant, you know what I mean? They, yeah. they can feel like they can tell you things that have happened within the team. And that's through trust, you know what I mean? And you get that trust early on and it, and it pays dividends. So, um, you know, if I could tell the troop were down, if they weren't performing on the bottom field or if they weren't performing in the gym, I would generally get them together say, right, what's going on? Or I'd pull one of the senior lads aside and say, right, tell them what's going on. And, um, and it's about trust. And very early on, I always used to say, you know, you work for me and I will work for you, mm -hmm. you know. And I remember times where the lads were just chin strapped, you know, and I knew they might have been up all night doing kit musters or getting, doing corrective PT, you know, mm -hmm. by the training team or whatever. And, um, and I just looked at them and I just knew they were, they were goosed and they would get absolutely nothing. I'd get nothing out of them and they'd get nothing beneficial by doing that specific session. So I'd just take them for a stretch session, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And that was almost like, for them, it was like, wow, mm -hmm. you know, he actually does care about us, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? He does care about our well-being. Um, but then on the flip side of that, they see a different side, you know, if if, if they're, if it's not that they're not performing because they're physically and not able to and they're just not playing the game, then you switch it up a bit, you know, and you, 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 you kind of, you know all about that. Um, and you change the session accordingly. 
But um, but no, I, I remember sort of being on the balcony and um, of this accommodation block, and I could tell the lads were absolutely sort of chin strapped, and I was like, right, they just needed a little bit of a, a motivational talk, you know. Mm-hmm. They needed to realise that CTC was not forever, and being a re- recruit is not forever, and there is light at the end of the tunnel, and you're only there for a certain period of time, and then at the end of it, you get your green lid, mm-hmm. and you become a Royal Marine, and that is your entry fee, that is your ticket mm-hmm. to the best boys club in the world, you know. And I said, in front of me, right now, there is gonna be future SF operators, there's gonna be future MLs, future PTIs, future recce troop, snipers, mm-hmm. um, core RSM, RSMs, you know. Um, some of you will switch over, become officers, maybe even end up as OCs and COs of uh, a unit. Um, and I could see them lift, mm. you know what I mean? They were, they were just almost like lifted. And if I could have put them around the bottom field at that time, they'd have probably all smashed it, yeah. you know what I mean? And I think that's what it, the, the mind is so powerful, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the mind controls everything, you know? I think that's, so, sorry to interrupt. No, go on. It's because you've, give, you've reminded them of the reason why they're there. Yeah. They got so bogged down in the thrashings and the admin and, and, yeah. the, and the BS. Yeah. They, it's almost that like you forget why you're there. When you say, actually, you know, and you appeal to each one of them yeah. by saying SF, sniper, RSM, yeah. they've all got different yeah. ambitions. Yeah. You've then reignited their reason in their head why they're there. Yeah. And they, they, you know you say, they lift up yeah. and like, right, I know now, pity party's over, I know why I'm here, let's do it. And you're yeah. right, they probably would have then, despite the way they were feeling 30 seconds prior, gone down the bottom field and gave the best session they probably ever had. Yeah. Yeah, it's insane. It is. Mm. It's great. So, so yeah, so I'm very, very privileged to be a part of the PT branch and I'm super proud of it. Um, super proud of what we do as mm-hmm. PTIs and the standards that the lads have continued to uphold and the, the recruits that are coming out of CTC are phenomenal. You know, and I hear all these stories, people say, you know, society now, well, lads are not what they used to be. It's bollocks, mm-hmm. you know. The, the lads that are coming out of CTC now are better than I was, mm-hmm. without a shadow of a doubt. The intelligence, the knowledge, you know, that they come out of CTC with, these are high, high functioning lads um, that uh, can, can do over and above, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Really are, so I'm super proud of the branch, I'm super proud of the core and, and the future, you know, the future of the Royal Marines. So on that, on that PT course, we do um, a Royal Marine Close Combat Instructors course. Um, okay, yeah, right, yeah, on yeah. my PT2s course. So that was back in, so I joined in 99, I did my PTIs in 2004, yeah. And, um, and yeah, we did, a, um, we did a, a close combat instructors course and essentially we did the, we did the syllabus and then we basically used as grappling dummies okay. for, the, for the rest of the time. And, and, and quite nicely, we do the uh, Royal Marine close combat instructors course the same week as our commando tests. Okay. So not only are you getting smashed on mm-hmm. the map, um, but you're also, you know, redoing your commando tests. You know, so you'll go down, do your towers and assault, and then you'll be in in the gym uh, on the mats. Um, but that for me just lit a fire. You know what I mean? I was like, this is hoofy. Was it? Was that your first exposure to unarmed combat? It was in any detail. No, no, you you, you do. So when I was a recruit, yeah, you do a little bit. We did like one or two sessions, yeah. you know, like this is a gooseneck, you mm-hmm. know. And I was really disappointed actually, you know, because rewind to what I said at the beginning when you when I was reading that combat and survival magazine, yeah, I was like, yeah, this is hoofing. We're going to be doing this every day, you know. And uh, yeah, so I was a little bit disappointed with that. And then you know, in the units, I might have done, I think I did like one session yeah. of like unarmed combat, you know, in between becoming a PTI. And um, so yeah, so then when to do it on on the course, I was like, this is hoofy. Mm-hmm. Love this because you know, growing up like yourself, you know, you, we were of that era, weren't we? Where you watch, you know, 
Jean-Claude Van Damme mm -hmm. and Rocky mm -hmm. and you know I had I had the punch bag in the garage and you know all that and I used you know I'd go down to Bridlington Boys Club and box and I did a bit of judo and did a bit of this did a bit of that but never really stuck at one thing do you know what I mean I did a little bit of everything and um, so I did this did this course and it was just like I absolutely love this because it was predominantly grappling okay. because the instructor that was taking it he just got into MMA and uh, he just realised that you know ground fighting is a is a huge component of MMA so um, yeah so he brought in some of the um, lads from his club that he was training with and we essentially just got twisted up and tied up and but who, who was that? Pete Jordan. I knew you were going to say yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, he was my TQ. Yeah, yeah. Hoofing, hoofing guy. Very inspirational. Yeah. You know, taught taught me a lot, a lot. Um, but uh, but yeah. So so that, that that for me it was that sink or swim moment. You know, you get some guys they experience that. And they're like, Oof, never doing that again. But for me, it was like, no, I need to learn this. Mm -hmm. I need to learn more of it. And um, and you know, we've spoke at length about this. You know, about grappling and and what. And it, it really is like human chess mm -hmm. you know, in terms of knowledge is power absolutely and um, and yeah so that, that that lit lit the fire and um, and every unit that I went to as a corporal I would get lads training you know even with my minimal knowledge you know just under your own steam you're in, yeah, cause yeah you absolutely because I was the right. you know, company PTI uh -huh. or, or whatever you know, so you'd go. Out, you know, I went to K Company, for example. I, I was company PTI, but like, right, let's let's do unarmed mm -hmm. combat, and I'd fit it in wherever I could. You know, I'd speak to the OC and and, and get the lads trained. And even like when we when we were deployed um, in Afghan, you know, we'd we'd go out and we'd, we'd do our thing. We'd come back, deservice, reservice, and and during that stand down time, I'd be um, getting my section training. You know. So you, you just decided off your own bat without yeah. being told to do it, just to, whenever you could teach the lads a bit of what you learn. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, that's part of what you do as um, a PTI within a unit as part of a company. You know, your role and responsibility is the physical well-being and fitness of that fighting company, you know. So um, wherever I could, I would get in, you know, some unarmed combat training, mm -hmm. uh, close combat training. Uh, you know, if that was on the range as a background activity, because as you know, lots of waiting rounds on the range. Yeah. So rather than the lads just sat around throwing pebbles at a rock trying to hit it, which is a great game, yeah. um, we would get them training on our combat, because as you know, a bit of grass, combat jackets, that's all you need. Did, did lads ever get threaded? They're like, oh, not again, I just want to sit down and throw my stone on the rock. <laughs> did they ever get to that? Probably, yeah, yeah. probably. But, um, you know, I, I, I motivated and enthused in such a such a way <laughs> they all enjoyed it. So so yeah, so like even when I even when we went away, so in Afghan, uh, you know, we were doing strike ops, so we'd go out, do an op, then we'd come back in to Kandahar, we'd deservice, reservice, and be back out again. You know, depending, and some sometimes it'd be a quick turnaround. Other times we might be there for a few days. Mm -hmm. So. Um, we would make use of the gym and the facilities on Kandahar and I'd get my section and we'd go down and we'd get on the mats and we'd trim. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember going down to the PX um, and at that time the it was uh, Rampage Jackson okay. and Forrest Griffin and right. they'd done the Ultimate Fighter Series mm -hmm. and I bought that and I took it back to our tent and uh, I put it on my laptop and I just picked things out of it, you know what I mean? Um, to drill and to train and things like that, okay. and uh, and that's what we did. You know, I put it into a circuit mm -hmm. and we'd spar and all this good stuff. So uh, yeah, it was hoofing. So I, I kind of said to myself then, um, you know, when I get back, I want to do jujitsu like full time. I want to find somewhere and I want to learn the the actual jujitsu side of it because what I been doing was raw ring close combat. Mm -hmm. So it was like um, a mixture of everything. Yeah. You know? And obviously, there's a very clear difference between raw marine close combat, which is done for operational reasons, mm -hmm. versus uh, like jujitsu, which is a martial art and a sport. Right. So, um, one one to the raw marine close combat, you're following rules of engagement, you know. Um, whereas uh, martial art sport, it is just that, isn't it? It's a martial art mm -hmm. and a sport. So. Um, 
so yeah, so I found a club and started training, um, and that was it. I was absolutely hooked. As you well know, it's very addictive, isn't it? What, what year was that? So, so beginning of yeah, sort of end of two thousand nine, beginning of two thousand ten. That that was the, your first taste yeah, of so, BJJ. Yeah, so so beginning of two thousand ten. I first put a gi on my back. Mm-hmm. You know, that was the first time that I wore a gi, and I was absolutely hooked, bitter, you know, bitten by that uh, jujitsu bug. Absolutely loved it, and um, I got drafted to Four Five Commando and uh, started a club up there, mm-hmm. you know, a unit club. But at that time, it wasn't recognised as a sport mm. or a martial art. And I remember speaking to various people and saying, right, how do I get this recognised as a core sport? And uh, I, I just got told. Don't wish time will never happen, and that mm. to yeah, you yeah. Know, people like us is just like Red just fuels the flames, mm-hmm. doesn't it? If you, if someone says to you you can't do something, I think you know if you've got the right passion, the right drive, the right determination, you will find a way, or you will exhaust all possible options, and you're mm. like, well, actually, no. But I wasn't gonna just take that and not try, mm. you know. So, um, yeah, so I just went full steam ahead, you know, to, to get Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu recognised as a core sport. And we did that, you know, got, got it recognised. And, um, and that meant that um, lads within the Royal Marines could train Jiu-Jitsu on duty. So on duty status, mm-hmm. they can, so each commando unit had a, a team and a club. Um, and we would have an annual Royal Marine Corps Championships we uh, could compete against other forces, we mm-hmm. could enter competitions representing the Royal Marines, you know, and, and we did just that, you know, we had little teams punching out to, to compete and the lads went across to Vegas and um, all sorts of really, really cool, great things happened off the back mm-hmm. of it being recognised as a core sport. So what that allowed me to do was, once we got that established and it was firm and it was set in stone, I was able to pass that over to someone else, mm-hmm. another PTI, to run that, and then that allowed me to focus on something else. Can I, can I just say, mate? Yeah. So I, I kind of knew, I kind of knew that, but I didn't know to the extent that you did that. Right. So that was what, so you'd been a, a white belt. Yeah. And you were just hooked. Yeah. And then you went in like a bottle in a china shop saying this needs to be a course for yeah. because you saw yeah. how beneficial it would be. Yeah. And then someone gave it the green light. Well, it was the, the, uh, DCG, yeah. So DCG gave it the green light. The Royal Marines, yeah. And then all of a sudden, you went from that in four or five to every unit having a team to then them competing. And I'm imagining you're having something to do well, it's with. Be, it's become the most popular sport in the court. No, I know. I know. This, yeah. is, this is what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. And you obviously had a massive deal in organising the core championships as well, and you didn't just. Yeah. Yeah. So, so in the in the beginning. Um, you know, I obviously I set that up and ran it, but it got to a point where I was able to hand it over because right. it was very, very important to me that I could hand it over because let's let's say for example um, something happened to me, mm-hmm. who's then gonna run it? You know, and you're gonna leave the court at some point. Yeah, exactly. So exactly. hundreds of hundreds of years yeah. forwards. Yeah. yeah. So the continuity was very important to me. Mm-hmm. You know that that that, that was. That, that would happen so so that was great you know it was well established we had rank all the way through uh into you know brazilian jiu-jitsu rank i'm talking here white belts blue belts purple belts um so it's great really 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 good stuff so i was able to sort of hand that over and and it was i could really focus on something which is i was very passionate about um so with, as part of me being a PTI, I was a, an ERI as well, so an exercise rehab uh, instructor. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, what that is, is you are um, part of a team with a physiotherapist and the MO, the doctor, mm-hmm. to rehabilitate lads when they're injured. Yeah. So at 4-5, for example, um, we had all sorts of different injuries from battle cap battle casualty injuries all the way through to lads who've been in, injured sort of um, on you know exercise or doing phase or whatever and the idea being is you get them from point of injury with a diagnosis all the way through to back to operational fitness or to uh, a better physical state than what they were before 
And I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed um, seeing the lads go from a place where they were not feeling great, not where they wanted to be, to boom, I'm back to where I want to be, mm -hmm. or I'm back to a place where I can do things that I couldn't do before. You know, it's, it's very, very rewarding. Um, so, so it was almost like, right, I've got two passions here. I've got Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, which I'm very passionate about, and then helping the lads, mm -hmm. which I'm very passionate about. So it's like merging those two together. And this almost happened at the same time as discovering an organization called We Defy Foundation. Mm -hmm. So that was run by um, Alan Shibaro uh, and Joey Bozic. Good, yeah. fr good friends yes. of ours yeah. that we know very well for the benefit of the listen listeners, obviously. So Alan Chibaro, um, former US Special Forces um, and a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt based over in McKinney in Texas. Um, and they were over in the UK and we linked in with them and we welcomed them to 30 Commando and we just um, hosted them, you know, as Royal Marines. And we just got a connection mm -hmm. like straight away, you know, that military connection, the jiu-jitsu connection. Uh, and he came over with Chris Huerta as well, you know, absolute mm -hmm. jiu-jitsu legend. Um, so Chris Huerta and um, Alan Chibaro came over and they spent a few days with us, took them a third commando. Um, they put on a hoofing seminar for us and we took them to CTC, same there. Um, and it was great, really, really good. And at, off the back of that, um, Alan, very kindly um, said to me, look, you know, I love what you've done with the Royal Marines and Jiu-Jitsu and everything. And it, you know, if, if you'd like to, it'd be an honor if you would do We Defy Foundation UK. I was blown away by that. Yeah, right. Really, really was because, you know, We Defy Foundation is his baby, mm -hmm. you know, and for him to entrust me with that was like huge on, yeah. it really was. But that said, I felt it was very important you know, that we had our own identity, you know, as an organization, yeah. you know. So, um, so I, I said that to him and he said, yeah, absolutely brother, completely get it, completely uh, understand. And I will support you as much or as little as you want. He says, my one bit of advice is get the name right and get the logo right. Mm -hmm. So I went away and I was in my lounge where we'd just been sitting and I had my uh, sketchbook. <laughs> <laughs> dusted it off yeah. and uh, I just went through some different ideas and concepts and I was thinking I want it to go from like bad place to good place dark to light yeah. um, so I was thinking like switch reversal you know but these are all like jujitsu grappling terminology mm -hmm. so like if you did jujitsu grappling you'd know what a switch is you'd right. know what a reversal is mm -hmm. but we're trying to appeal to people who've not done jujitsu because we're trying to get them to do jujitsu so, um, so I was thinking different things and I came up with reorg because everyone in the military knows what a reorg is, mm -hmm. you know, and, um, and I thought reorg, you know, essentially that's what it is, you know, we've fought through a position, mm -hmm. got to an objective, uh, we've closed it in all round defense and we're checking each other off, mm. you know. And no matter what's just happened, bad or good, mm -hmm. we're going to move forward with a positive mindset mm -hmm. because that's the only way to progress, isn't it? Right. And I was like, that's it. That is it. And uh, I played around with different ideas and like, like close friends around me, I'd like say, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? You know, I'd get like a section average. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. you know, section average always works, doesn't it? Yeah. And, uh, and because that's important to me, you know, it's, it's about, it, it is, reorg is for everyone, you know, mm -hmm. it's a team thing. So, um, yeah, so eventually we settled on something nice and plain, basic, so reorg with the commando dagger, Fairburn Sykes dagger, in between the re and the org. And, uh, and that was it. And um, I remember sending that to Alan, you know, and, and, and explaining it, and he was like, that's going to be massive, brother. He yeah. says, that is, he says, that is awesome. So it's going to be massive. And, uh, and yeah, and like, it, that's just, that, that, that was the spark. And they say, don't they, only takes a spark to start a wildfire. Mm. And um, I had no idea, sat in my living room then, 
uh, where we would be with it and more importantly how many people we would help through jujitsu and uh, yeah it's been awesome mate you know what right and this is and I say this from a very positive place it's not disrespectful to anybody else but there are a lot of ex-military people out there mm. who I don't know make a podcast a, a clothing brand a supplement range or whatever mm. and you look at the branding mm. and maybe it's a little bit too busy or, right. but I remember the first time I saw the logo the real yeah. logo yeah. with the dagger in the yeah. middle and, and, and I'm not bullshitting you just because we're sat yeah. here with yeah. friends and I was like wow that is like so the dagger to me represented it made me feel again you know yeah. Elite, yeah, yeah, you know, because yeah. I know what that dagger represents. Yeah, the the logo was so clean mm. and and simple and boom, like, yeah. and I was like, that's all you need. Mm. That is like bang, and I can see that on t-shirts, jackets, flags, caps, yeah. everything. And then because I know what real means as well. Yeah, as uh, at that time, uh, as a veteran outside mm. the military, we we talked about this in the front room. You know, if you ask any lad. What do you miss about the military? They say the lads. Yeah. And so, as an outsider, then effectively, as a as a veteran, mm. that thought of reorging with the lads was yeah. like, yes, that's it. That's yeah. it. It's like it represents being high level. It's clean. It's not over busy and too much in your face. Yeah. And what that word means to me and to many veterans mm. is is what draws you in there. And I don't just yeah. say that. I think I've told you this before. Um, it no, just I appreciate that, mate. It, it was just that. like, boom, he's, he's nailed it. Do yeah. you know what I mean? And I think, we can maybe talk about this later, I think that's why we see a lot of people wearing the real brand mm. who don't even train jiu-jitsu. Yeah. Because that's how solid and strong the brand is. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I, I agree, mate, completely. It's really nice to hear that. Um, and I think, I think, and we've spoke about this, I think the great thing is, yes, it's grown into this really nice strong brand but I think over and above that it's a lifestyle Absolutely. so Reorg is a lifestyle choice and it's about making the right choice choosing you know you ch everything we do in life we choose don't we you know what I mean we choose to get up at five o'clock in the morning and, and train even though it's honking weather or we choose to just stay in bed mm -hmm. you know and and it's paths, we have paths when we make decisions, we make choices and, and there's some great people out there doing some really incredible things. Um, but I think a lot of it's common sense, mm. you know what I mean? Um, I remember like having discussions with people in the core, you know, about like diet and, and this and that and nutrition and, 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 and let's strip it back to its basic form. You know, if you put in more than you burn, you're going to put on weight. Mm. And if you burn more than you put in, you're gonna lose weight. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's mm. like just simple things like that. So I think again, it's that it's that choice, making the right choice. And I think where we're going with Reorg um, as a lifestyle choice, it is about giving people the uh, opportunity to make the, make the right choice and to motivate, infuse, encourage, yeah. bring people together. That's what it's all about. It's about bringing people out of isolation into our real community mm -hmm. you know we are using jiu-jitsu as a vehicle to do that because we see the benefits of jiu-jitsu we do jiu-jitsu we're passionate about jiu-jitsu but real real is a lifestyle choice it doesn't need to be jiu-jitsu mm -hmm. you know um it could be you just get together and have a wet mm -hmm. like we do quite mm -hmm. often you know or it could be that you go Paddleboarding together and then have a wet after, or swimming together, or running together, or do circuits, or whatever it is that you enjoy that makes you feel better afterwards mm -hmm. um, is what it's all about. Yeah, it's, it's like living up to your potential, isn't it? Because there's a very, my opinion is that there can be a thin line, and, and you've treaded it like almost perfectly, where some people try to do this. And it almost feels a little bit elitist. It's like right. you have to get up at five o'clock in the morning. You have to do this, yeah. Or you should never be successful. And you never do well. And yeah. you know, this is what winners do. And you're like, hang on. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Maybe yeah, that yeah, doesn't yeah. work for yeah. me. But the way you've done, you've created reorg. It's it's almost like it makes you want to be better. Right. So it makes you want to get up at five o'clock. Yeah. Not because you know 
you think you're going to become some sort of ninja or be better than anybody, but because you're going to improve yourself yeah. and be a better person, mm. which has the ripple effect down to, you know, for me personally, I get up at half past five in the morning, go for my routine. It makes me a better dad. Yeah. It makes me hopefully a better husband. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully a better athlete. Yeah. And just a general better human being. Yeah. But not one that goes, I get up at five in the morning, so I'm better than you. You're lazy. Yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, know how yeah. you've done that. Yeah. It may be just you, who you are, your personality, your previous experiences, but from where I sit on the outside looking in, yeah. you nailed it. You've nailed it. And that's why I think it's so popular and why I said just now, people that don't even train mm. jujitsu yeah. will wear the kit because they feel yeah. empowered. We've had like lots of messages from people saying, oh, I love what you're doing, you know, and honestly I really, really appreciate all the messages and all the support, mm. you know, and it's from all over the world as well, it's really, sometimes it's quite overwhelming, you know what I mean? It's like, wow, like it's awesome, mm. the way it's just spread and everyone's got behind it and everyone's supporting it. Uh, but yeah, we get people messaging us saying, oh, you know, I really want to, I really want to wear your gi, but you know I wasn't a Royal Marine mm. or I wasn't in the military, and um, and to all of them I say please buy the gi, wear the gi, mm. you know support it because what you're doing is you're directly supporting Rio, mm-hmm. which means that we can then help more people, right. you know. Um, so what we um, what we did was we created a new line, so we. We're keeping the line with the Commando Dagger because you know that is who we are and that's that's the origin of Reorg. But we also created another line uh, which is all about unity, you know. And what that is about is it's about opening up. So we've opened up Reorg to not just the military but also the emergency services, you know, police, mm-hmm. fire service, paramedics. Um, because we've recognised, um, we've spoke to people within those worlds um, that they feel the same as us, mm-hmm. you know, um, and they need the assistance of reorg and jujitsu just the same as we do, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's the big thing for the rest of this year and beyond is that expansion into helping the blue light community as well as the military community. Um, and also, um, what we're saying is that with the reorg, with the word reorg and the great kind of artwork and designs that go along with that, is that it's um, it's it's open to all those that want to support it and want mm-hmm. to be a part of this community. So that may be someone whose dad was in the military, or okay. mm-hmm. their son is in the military, um, or or they have a friend that they want to support or something like that, you know? And I think that's what it's all about. And I think going back to the veterans um, who who wear the Rio kit, when they, and, and, and I've been told this by certain lads, they felt like when they handed their kit in and walked out of that gate, handed the ID card in, almost felt like they lost their identity, and lost mm-hmm. their purpose, and they'd be waking up in their flat, on their own, you know, and, and for the last however many years, they've been waking up with the lads, going out, doing troop fizz, mm-hmm. then doing some weapon practice periods, or going on the range, or going on an exercise, or preparing for to go on ship, or an op, or whatever. Um, but all of a sudden, that's gone, that's mm-hmm. taken away. Whereas with Rio, what we've created is something where you put that t shirt on, you put that hoodie on, all that cap, and it's like, yeah, I feel like feel like I'm part of something again mm-hmm. um, and then you get in touch like right, let's grab a wet or let's go train together mm-hmm. you know and we've got veterans and blue light community who are training at the same academy you know what I mean and all of a sudden they've gone from this world that they were in where they had structure they had purpose they had an identity back into another world and it's the same you know mm-hmm. they have structure they have identity um, they put on the gi you know, which is like your uniform or the mm. no-gi kit. And there is a rank structure, you know. Mm. You've got your professor or your instructor, at the, you know, who's, who's teaching you. And you're aspiring to go up the ranks. So whether it's that next stripe on your belt um, or whether it's that next belt colour. So for those that don't know, you know, there's five belts, you know, white, blue, purple, brown, black. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and then you obviously there's some more above that but um, that's a long long way away but um, but they're the five main ones that people um, sort of focus to uh, strive to achieve and each belt has four stripes you know um, so like when you're in the military you know and you're a marine and you're looking at that stripe to become a lance corporal yeah. or those two stripes to become a corporal it's the same mm -hmm. you know there's a rank structure there that you can aspire to towards and do you know what I, so you know you know that when you know when i was growing up i did yeah. like most kids i dabbled in all the martial arts i yeah. fought competitively in muay thai yeah. kickboxing boxing and you just hit the nail on the head there like i think the thing with jujitsu is exactly that so when you leave the military or even while you're still serving yeah your gi is like your combat uniform yeah your belt is like the rank you attain yeah and just the camaraderie i've not experienced it in any of the other martial arts like right. the camaraderie so we yeah. always you know back in the day when we were all based in Plymouth, yeah. a lot of us we'd go and train in the morning mm. then we'd go grab a coffee and we'd, yeah. we'd talk and and it was that whole well, you said just now the lifestyle of it, yeah. you know, and you, you didn't get it. Like when I did Muay Thai, I would go around for like an hour and a half, mm. get my head kicked in, mm. and then go home with a headache, and then see the lads at the next training session. Right, we okay. didn't really we didn't socialise outside yeah. that. We were there to right. train together, and that was it. Yeah. But jujitsu is so different. It's the only martial art that I know of yeah. that very closely replicates the camaraderie of. The military, yeah. you know, you go out on ops with the lads, you mm. come back, you have a few beers together. Yeah. Now you go, you train on the mats, you go out and you have a coffee together. Yeah. You know, and I think that's what's so powerful about it. Um, I hope I explained that right. I'm, no, you didn't, mate. In Absolutely. my head, it's yeah. like, it's so, they sit side by side, yeah. so closely. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's a universal language, you know, I've been very lucky uh, in my career to be able to travel to some amazing places. And certainly since I started jiu-jitsu, everywhere I go, I will try my damnedest to find somewhere to train jiu-jitsu mm. and meet people and train. And, and jiu-jitsu is like, so when you train with someone, it's like they're putting an imprint of their style of jiu-jitsu onto you, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so I remember as a white belt, we went to Cancun in Mexico and uh, we went for three weeks actually, I don't know how we managed that, but we went for three weeks and uh, and within, literally, I, as soon as I landed, I was like Googling different mm -hmm. places to train and I uh, found this club, uh, Anari Jiu-Jitsu, I think it was called, and um, it was like downtown Cancun, you know, so away from all the tourist area and we were in a really you know lovely hotel, all, all inclusive and all the rest mm -hmm. of it. And um, I left my wife and her daughter, and they, they were by the pool. And off I went, you know, to go find this place. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I found it, and, and the, the instructor was a brown belt uh, called Facundo Tasmania. He couldn't speak a word of English. And he had, he had his brother there, who was a blue belt, and he was the translator. Okay. So I rocked up at this place, and it was above, um, like, a hairdresser's. So there was a hairdresser's underneath, and then upstairs was the, the gym. And uh, we went up there and, you know, it was just a, not much bigger than this kitchen, to be mm -hmm. honest, maybe a little bit wider. And there was, a, you know, a few mats and the, uh, you know, the old um, air con. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and we got in there and he gave me a gi and a belt and uh, we just trained, mm -hmm. you know, and he couldn't speak a word of English, right. you know. And, uh, and he was hoofing. It, 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 it really, really was hoofing, especially... You know, Although I was a white belt, I'd, I'd been training quite a while, you know, at that point. And, uh, and the things he taught me, you know, mm -hmm. during that time we spent together, I used them, like mm -hmm. in competition, um, teaching other lads, mm -hmm. like even now I'm still teaching those techniques that he taught me. And I suppose my reason for this day is that you go on the other side of the world, speak to someone who doesn't speak your language, mm -hmm. But you've got the language of jujitsu in common, yeah. yeah, yeah, and they give you something of that, you know, mm. that you then Pass can give to other yeah. people, yeah. you know. And uh, we still message each other from time to time. Mm. He's always saying, "Oh, come back out, come back yeah, out," yeah, yeah. and uh, and I absolutely will do that one day, you know, whether we do it yeah. as a reorg thing and we go back out and train with him, um, and that would be really special, actually me as a black belt now yeah, to yeah, go yeah, back yeah. 
to his academy and train with him would be great. And and as I said, I've been very lucky to. That's one of many places like all around the world. You know, mm-hmm. Poland, Australia, America. You know, um, all these different places where I've been and and trained with people, and uh, and it's great. And we're at a point now where um, people are people know of Reorg and and the support's been fantastic and they're inviting us to come out and, and train mm-hmm. with them and, um, and and that's great because that will just allow us to spread that reorg message mm-hmm. even more so you know yeah absolutely mate mate I, I honestly talking about this now I think we're going to have to do another at least another one episode maybe two we'll see um, we'll see if people find it interesting no <laughs> they will they will and I've got so much more that I want to talk about but I know we're a little bit pressed for time so just yeah. to to wrap it up, yeah. let's talk a little bit about the Royal Means Charity, like how yeah, you've absolutely. been involved with the Royal yeah. Means Charity and, and that yeah. sort of thing. <clears throat> yeah, so um, very, very early on, um, before Reorg was officially formed, I approached Jonathan Ball and said, look, I've got this idea, um, can we come under the umbrella of the Royal Marine Charity? Mm-hmm. And um, and he just got it, you know, and like, maybe it was my pitch, my dragon den style pitch, <laughs> I don't pitch, know, yeah. But, um, but yeah, he just got it, and he was like, yeah, I'll support you with this and, and everything, which is great, and, uh, and essentially, so what we did was we set up a Just Giving page um, for the money to, to go to the Roman charity, but into a reorg pot, right. you know what I mean, so we went to the Roman charity, but then a real pot which we then can use to help people mm-hmm. uh, veterans um, who uh, who need our assistance through mm-hmm. jiu-jitsu so yeah so we've um, just the other day you know we broke the ceiling of a hundred thousand pounds you know mm-hmm. that we've raised um, for the Roman charity via reorg and um, and yeah it was great and it was it was really quite a a, a huge moment that because um, it's very much the reorg team that has raised that money. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got some really, really amazing people uh, out there raising money for us, um, doing awesome things. Um, and it's the people supporting as well. Mm-hmm. So the kit sales, you know, people buying the t-shirts, the caps uh, from you know from Tatami Fightwear that goes into that pot. And then we've got the Royal Marine sh- Shop. Mm-hmm. The Royal Marine Shop is separate to the Just Giving page. Um, and you know, it's I think it's around a hundred thousand in sales that they have done just on Reorg mm-hmm. Kit, um, which is great, you know, because we've been doing this like part time, really, haven't we? Yeah. You know, whilst you know, I'm serving and you know, you're doing things for the charity, so um, no, it's, it's brilliant and it just adds fuel to the flames to drive it even further and farther than where we've already come. And you know what is like really. I'm going to sound a bit I'm going to say heartwarming mm-hmm. about that is what it's like so you've got this great brand that produces great kit that people are really proud to wear that makes them feel part of something again mm-hmm. that is motivating and empowering and inspiring to them mm-hmm. but then also is raising money yeah. for a charity so you, you hit like four or five different things here mm-hmm. with, with one brand you know what I mean? And that's another, that's another thing about Rio that just, I think, makes it so powerful. I think uh, what was really special for me was I had a chat with a good friend, um, Falcons veteran, Royal Marine, and, um, and he said to me, um, he said, you know, the whole time I've been in the Corps, and since I've left the Corps, you know, I've never really worn any core kit. You know, so I've not I've not got the core coloured scarf or hat or you know global or t-shirt or anything like that. And he said, you know, not that there's anything wrong with that. He said, but I personally don't want to be. I was a Royal Marine. Look at me. Yeah. You know, that's his personal view. And there's, and there's nothing wrong at all with those lads who, who do want to wear core coloured kit because you're very proud to be a Royal Marine, and it's and it's a, it's obviously a great thing to to represent. Uh, but him personally, he didn't want to. Uh, but what he said was with the Rio kit, it's like he knows that he's supporting Rio and mm. the Marine charity. 
but it's not outwardly obvious yeah. to people around him Absolutely. that he was a Royal Marine. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? Because it's just a nice subtle yeah. uh, reorg badge with the mm-hmm. commando dagger on. You know, those who know know. Yeah. So, so like, so you know, you sent me a photo of him wearing like the cap and the hoodie. I was like, it was hoofy. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like Falcon's veteran, and he's and he's there mega proud to be supporting the Marine charity in reorg and and wearing the kicks he likes it as well and, and i think that's what that was important to me to create something because i wanted people wearing the kit because they like it mm. because you're putting on that t-shirt because it's your favorite t-shirt because it feels good and it looks good not because it's got the logo do you know what i mean um so we spent a bit of time working on like different different um samples and stuff like that but I think we're there with it now and we're getting some really nice feedback and um, and yeah we've got some other cool exciting opportunities coming up and constantly trying to give people what they want mm-hmm. you know what I mean so when people get in touch with us and give suggestions we listen mm-hmm. you know what I mean we listen to that and and it reorg is for everyone you know and, and we're trying to give everyone what they want yeah absolutely essentially maybe we are gonna have to do this again because more and more things keep popping in my mind. I want to talk about how we first met and how yeah, you got yeah, me on the yeah, mats, yeah. How, how you bullied me into jiu-jitsu. <laughs> I want to talk about, you know, so many of the, the collaborations you do, you yeah, know, with Road yeah. America yeah, and, and yeah. all that kind of stuff. The future for real, yeah. what your plans are, aspirations, dreams yeah. for, for real moving forward. We've already chatted in there about documentaries and stuff. Yeah. Um, but we're going to have to wrap it up now. We're definitely, definitely, when, if you've got the time while you're still recovering, yeah. going to do this again. Mate, but thank you so much for um, listening to me. Mate, you know, thank you, because I, I, I know, you know, away from this as your friend, how yeah. many people have asked you time and time again to do podcasts. Yeah. I know we have tried to do this seven or eight times yeah, and for yeah, whatever yeah. reason we haven't. Yeah. Um, and I'm just, I'm just grateful that you've given me the time now. And we're going to have to do this. I, I see two more episodes at least wow. um, coming through this, mate. So... Mate, thank you for this morning. Um, I can't shake your hand no. because we're a metre apart and yeah, all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, but, yeah. but thank you, mate. It's been, you've told me stuff that I didn't know. And we've known each other three or four years now. And we've Good. trained regularly. So yeah. it's been really interesting for me. But if you're up for it, we'll do it again. Absolutely, mate. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Thank you, mate. I hope the listeners found it interesting. They did. <laughs>